0: Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. F-f-f-f-f-f- Matthew Dickerson. Tech tech, tech 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 Talk. Tech 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 Talk. Sit back and relax. It's time to talk technology. Listen up, fans of the future. It's time for you once again to step through the portal and take a peek at what's waiting for you in Tomorrowland. It's Tech Talk time with Matthew Dickerson. How are you going, Matt?
1: I'm going fantastic.
0: Fantastic, yeah. Now, hey, listen, you've got a couple of updates um, from uh, what we've been talking about in the past, I believe. Well, one,
1: and I don't like to admit it, but I made a mistake. In a a, a previous one, James, I was sitting there and we were talking about Jeff Bezos going off into space. Oh, yeah,
0: I remember. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the first space tourist. Yeah,
1: that's right. And we had the opportunity. We could have put our bid in. And I said at the time that it was at $2.8 million, the bidding.
0: Yeah, I had about $2.50 in my pocket. Though, <laughs>
1: yeah, yes. I'd right. love
0: to go, but, you know, anyway.
1: Yeah. Once you got past $2.50, that was the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, So, I actually said at the time that I thought it would go past $30 million, And I wouldn't have been surprised if it went to much higher than that. Well, I missed an opportunity. I should have put my bid in because it only went for twenty-eight million. Oh right. We could have been there for oh, twenty eight million.
0: or twenty-eight point five and you would have got it. Absolutely. No, now what they did do which is, a million and
1: a half. <laughs> that's right. What they did do, which is quite, quite clever of them, was all the losing bidders have been contacted by Blue Origin and offered seats on A subsequent flight. So (laughs) even though they missed out for their 28 or 27 or 26 million, they've still got a chance to do it sometime in the near future. But there you go. Sometime Mm. towards the end of July, 20th of July is the theoretical date. They'll be going up, Jeff and his brother, someone that's paid 28 mil for the good 10 or 15 minutes in space, and some other person that they haven't announced yet.
0: Yeah, right. Maybe a flat earther. <laughs> Maybe a flat earther. That Who knows? Would, that would be good. That would oh, spoil the party, oh, wouldn't that, it? That as would soon as a flat earther <laughs> goes up there and goes, oh, hang on, I was wrong, bang. <laughs> well, I haven't out.
1: heard that yeah. that happen. One of the great things about science, of course, is that you need scientists to be able to say they're wrong when they're wrong. Because you, you want all that information there to be always able to be proven as soon as it's not Hmm. Good scientists say, I got that wrong. Hmm. But flat earthers, I'm not sure I'd put them in the good yeah. science category. <laughs> we terms. had that
0: guy who strapped himself to a homemade rocket and uh, yeah, yeah. paid the didn't price. did go again. so well. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you've prepared yet another buffet to feast on here. I see that you've got a story about a major international sting operation which busted multiple crime syndicates across the globe all courtesy of one really clever app. Anyway, look, there's another story about how our First Nation languages are all going high-tech, and I see here that Windows 10 has got a use-by date that's coming up. Anyway, look, let's embark today on uh, with a bit of a health warning. Folks, can you please just take your hand off it, leave it alone, and get some quality sleep already?
1: Technology gets a bad rap sometimes, James. I'm a technology fan, so I didn't really like this story. All this lack of sleep that we're getting across Australia... People are blaming it on technology, not just a few people. The latest survey shows that eighty nine percent of respondents to the survey said that technology was having a negative effect on on Aussies when it comes to sleep.
0: Oh, look, I'd have to agree. I, I think from personal experience, I think it's affecting my sleep. Anyway, you're gonna tell me more.
1: I'm gonna tell you more, but no, you're not helping me. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to get technology <laughs> off the hook here. I'm no. trying to say technology is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so the younger people in our society, eighteen to twenty nine year olds, so you know we've just squeezed past that bracket, mm. they're saying it's even worse for them. Ninety four percent are saying oh, that wow, in 94. that in that age bracket are saying that they're suffering from lack of sleep due to technology. And when you get to say high school's students 93 percent aren't getting enough sleep but the real issue here is this chronic sleepiness now back in 2005 a similar survey was done. 35% of those high school students would say they had chronic sleepiness or external people studying them would say they had chronic sleepiness. Fair enough. That's now up to 75%. 75 And they're blaming it on technology again, James. Leave <laughs> us alone, please. <laughs> but it's just
0: so easy. I mean, you, you, you're on an app, you're, you're just or scrolling through. Let's use Facebook as an example, just scrolling through, just scrolling through. I'll just just check a couple more stories and then I'll just check a couple more. It's just so easy and then you it just is. lose track of time.
1: Doom scrolling is what that's often referred yeah. to. And, and people said that they get into bed, they, especially in winter, now, we get all snuggled up under the doona and you just reach across for your phone because you've got it charging next to the bed, of course, Mm. and you just have a quick flick and an hour later, you're watching some video about cats and you said, how did I get here?
0: (laughs) But yeah, they're using technology, uh, or at least uh, psychology, um, that they use in poker machines as well. I mean, your app's no good unless people want to click on it. And so... You know, it's all that poker machine sort of um, psychology. It is
1: a lot of psychology going on there. The other part of it is really about just not the bright screen. It is part of the, the problem. The bright screen... And the stimulating content. So if we said, let's put the phone away and let's just watch TV, we've got part of the same problems. We've got that bright Mm. screen. Mm. Maybe not as stimulating because you're actively involved when you're using your phone. TV, you might just fall asleep watching TV because you're not really that active. You're passively watching it. But when you've got to actively scroll, when you've got to actively do things, read things, make decisions about things, that's all generating some energy in your brain all using your brain and that keeps you awake. Then when you do finally put it down, then you're still a bit... Wide awake, your eyes are buzzing, and you're thinking about all those things. And what next video can I go and look at tomorrow morning? And then, of course, when you do wake up the next morning, the first thing you do, reach across to the phone. Well,
0: yeah, I'm as guilty as the next man. I know that I've woken up in the morning and then jumped on to go and check my sleep pattern for the night.
1: Yeah, that (laughs) is some great irony. (laughs) (laughs) There's the
0: irony right there.
1: Yeah. So, So, look, the other scary one, talking of reaching across, checking it, you know, when you wake up in the morning, in another survey, not this survey, but another survey, one in ten people admitted to checking their smartphone during sex. Now, yep, right. I haven't done that, James. <laughs> I'm glad to say, but I'll be <laughs> I would mean be because your wife's listening, right? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. right? But I'd be devastated to find that someone I was intimate with is then checking their smartphone, doom scrolling away. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: might be the hint to yeah, you know, maybe find something to spice it up a little bit. No, but maybe, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, goodness me. So,
1: just a few tips here. The experts say that there are things we can do about it to try and help our sleep. Don't rely on our willpower as the first one. Get the phone out of the bedroom because if it's there, it's just too tempting, which means we might have to change a few things like an old-fashioned alarm clock. Most people rely on their phone for their alarm. Get rid of the phone out of the bedroom, then you've got rid of your alarm. So putting an old-fashioned alarm clock, make it digital, of course, but an old-fashioned alarm clock might be one bit of advice for people to help them. So
0: Philips is going to go into overdrive right now, and Sony making their new alarm, um, their old-fashioned alarm clock.
1: That's yeah. right, yeah. Even the old ones with the old bells on the top that, <laughs> the, that, that <laughs> ring, and if that doesn't wake you up, nothing would. So that's I'm one. I'm not against
0: that. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and
1: that comes back to not charging the phone in the bedroom. Many people do. It's convenient to do that, but it's just too easy to have it there to reach mm. over and check for it. So trying to do that, even getting. The idea of having a watch on to check for your time. So in the middle of the night, if you wake up, the problem is there that many people have smartwatches. So you've got the same problem, you start scrolling on your yeah, smartwatch. Then, yeah. So maybe that's not such great advice. But I think other things, just using some of those apps on there that monitor screen time, monitor or even block apps a certain times. So when you go to bed, whatever your bedtime is, set, for example, your social media not to alert you when things happen because that new video that was posted at 3am, i better go and check that. Maybe that's not quite so important. Maybe that could wait till you get up in the morning. Yeah. It's a modern world problem. We didn't have this problem 10, 20 years ago and we can see by those stats that have gone from 2005 till now, it's a changing world we're living in.
0: Well, I'm hearing you and I'm doing it starting next week.
1: I'll ask you about that, James.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Here we go with a big story that made headlines across the world. Apparently, there's no honour amongst thieves. With the aid of a hacker turncoat... Police around the world have been able to land a big bunch of big-time crooks in an international sting operation with a fairly simple idea. Well, I say, I think it sounds pretty simple. Matt, there's got to be a movie in this.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that people are fighting over movie rights right now, I'm sure. It does remind me a bit of the Second World War with Alan Turing, People are familiar with Enigma. Oh, the Enigma code, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Enigma, which was the German machine they used to encode and decode messages. And they thought that was a pretty safe way to communicate. The number of possibilities was about 1.59 by 10 to the power of 20, different codes could be entered in Enigma. When I'm sending a message to my German counterparts, I'm pretty confident that no one's going to crack this code. Of course, Alan Turing, the code breakers at Bletchley Park, managed to do that, and they were cracking those messages, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes it took them an hour. The headquarters of the Allied forces were knowing what was going on with the Germans, maybe no more than an hour after the messages were sent. Yeah, it
0: was a big change in the World War
1: II. Yeah. yeah, and so the only thing you could do, I think, that would be better than... Cracking the code of some of these messages being sent around is to have the code before you start. And that's <laughs> yeah, exactly what happened. To the
0: code and then give it to the bad guy. And right. that's
1: what they did. What a brilliant idea. As you said, it sounds incredibly simple, but they did. They took a convicted hacker, they offered to reduce his sentence, and they paid him $120,000.
0: Yeah, so there's, there's a little bit of a moral sort of uh, dilemma there, but yeah. no, got their money's uh, worth. Is, is
1: the outcome worth? And I would say in this case it probably was. And what he did was he designed an app that was going to be used by various underworld figures to message each other in a secure way. So first of all, they'd actually shut down some other messaging apps that were being used. So suddenly, there was a hole in the market. It's really basic business principles. There was a hole in the market. So gee, <laughs> How to
0: make your own monopoly. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We need to fill that hole in the market. So they got this hacker to create an app, and then they had some jailbroken phones. So a jailbroken phone is just a phone that's taken or had the normal operating system removed and an alternative operating system installed. And yeah, what, right. what the jailbroken so phone...
0: So is that a bit like a lockdown browser? Or something, yeah, Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. you can
1: then make it do whatever you want. So these phones couldn't make a phone call, couldn't send a text message. They wouldn't respond in a GPS way to to know the location. It had one job in its life, and that was to use this particular app called Anom A N Zero M. Yeah, okay. They had the phone set up. It had a calculator app on it. it. Looked like a normal phone. You'd go to the calculator app, and that would take you to Anom. So all all very nice. If someone saw a phone sitting on the bench and had normal apps sitting on there, no big deal, there's someone's mobile phone. If they tried to use it, it wouldn't work except if they went to the calculator app. So they were sending these messages around and meanwhile, the authorities, because they've had this hacker write the actual code for this app, they were sitting there and they could watch every single message. Approximately 20 million messages were sent with this phone or with these this particular app. Over what
0: sort of time period are we talking?
1: A couple of years. So 2018, yeah, right. this was all put together and they have been sitting there listening to all these messages, watching all these messages all that time. Obviously, they have been stopping things along the way and this final sting was putting a full stop on the end of it all. But then they had to do a bit of marketing. So the first thing they had was this groovy name, a nom with the zero instead of the letter O. Yeah, right. Then they had, get ready for it, some criminal influences. So some people in the criminal world that were trusted by the crims and they started saying, hey, James, Uh, if you want (laughs) to send me a message, get on this. That's right. (laughs) Here's this cool, hey, I can get you one if you like. I can get you one on the cheap. And so they were handing out these phones, these jailbroken phones with the app. They actually had some agents that had managed to infiltrate some of these underworld gangs as well. In the end, 11,800 of these devices were distributed around underworld figures. Uh, And (laughs) the sweetest part, the part that I love the most, all these people using it, had to pay a subscription fee to use it. All oh,
0: right, so a couple of bucks, ten bucks. What was it?
1: Well, I was thinking that might be the case, but they were paying up to two thousand dollars a year. What? It was such oh, a good app, James. Yeah, it was right. so secure, <laughs> military grade encryption. It had a kill button on there. So if you got arrested, you hit the kill button, everything was wiped. It didn't matter because the authorities cause they had, it, had got it, all. it all.
0: Mission control.
1: So just on the uh. eleven thousand eight hundred. a pop, that's about Uh, $23.6 million you're generating a year out of that app. Now, it's been run for more than a year, so I think they got pretty good value for money out of their $120,000 they paid. A couple
0: of new indoor swimming pools down at this precinct office, I guess. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. So the the final sting, they came along and they did a, a worldwide raid and... All these agencies that were in part of this came along, did the raid, and they captured about 800 people, arrested about 800 people, 225 of those here in Australia, mm. tens of millions of cash. They talk about 45 and not million. Not small players either. These no, are these big players. They weren't trying to catch the guy that was selling a bit of marijuana on the corner for ten dollars a bag. Yeah. They were trying to catch the guys that were growing the stuff and producing the stuff and then distributing it. They said they've prevented about 150 murders. There's one more murder they're desperate to stop. The hacker has a large price on his head. Yeah, I can the, imagine the same. Way that we say that Alan Turing was fantastically saved 21 million lives by ending the world war early. This guy, whoever he is, has saved a lot of lives, but I don't think we're going to talk about him with his name and know who he is for a long (laughs) time because anytime his name popped up, I think he'd be gone pretty quickly. Uh, tons of drugs were captured in this. So a great outcome. And again, as you said, very simple, but just taking those basic business principles, taking advantage of what they knew and then setting it up, I just think it's well done to the police.
0: Well played, well played. Password secrecy rights have had a bit of a shake-up in Ireland. This could be a warning bell across the globe. But now I don't know my own password keeping rights. But tell us what happened at least in the Emerald Isle.
1: Mm, in there, the new legislation has been passed now, where if a policeman knocks on your door, and they're called the Garda Shikona. I hope I have got that right. Well Garda Shikona. Well, that,
0: from my background in Celtic um, dialect, I think that sounds pretty good. Oh, good. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: So the the Garda Shikona at the moment, if they before this legislation was passed, if they pulled you up and said, we've got a search warrant, we want to be able to search your car or your house, and by the way, hand over your phone. They could search everything, but you didn't have to give them your password of your phone. Yeah. And with our modern world, it's an example of legislation not necessarily keeping up with what's happening because in a modern world, you might go and search a car search a house find all sorts of incriminating information but the phone the messaging that we know just even from the last story the messaging that would go on on a phone mm. would be absolutely vital to any case so they've changed legislation now that they can actually ask for that i'm not a lawyer so i don't actually know what our laws are in australia i tend to feel that if a policeman knocked on my door and he's got a gun hanging on his hip and said give me the password of your phone i'd probably tend to give it to him but i'm a law-abiding citizen Jane. <laughs> that's right i don't know what my rights are there
0: yeah um, i guess i guess it's the baddies who know their rights about best but yeah that's that's really interesting isn't yeah it?
1: quite possibly but it, it is interesting to see where we're progressing across the world there are often examples where legislation's trying to catch up with technology this is another one of those examples but i suspect that we'll see changes across the world as a result of what's happening in ireland at the moment
0: languages of our first nations people have been coming back into prominence in recent years but in 2021 for that real hook and I mean no disrespect to our ancient cultures here you've got to go digital to really access the masses don't you?
1: I think you do many years ago we were putting up some new welcome signs around Dubbo and one of our other councillors an Aboriginal man by the name of Rod Towney, a good friend of mine he said oh Matt you've got to make sure you pronounce the welcome sign which is Go on Bunya I've still got that right after many years which is welcome in Aboriginal or or Wiradjuri more specifically and he said you've got to get it right so he took me to an Aboriginal elder and went through and made sure I had the pronunciation right and and that's what typically happens in many ancient languages and when we look at our aboriginal languages here sixty-five thousand years ago they were in this country speaking a language i'm sure it's a bit different now but it relies so much on passing it down from person to person mm. and making sure that one particular person gets it right go and see this other elder and there might be evidence yeah, it's of differences really there. kept by the elders isn't it, it and is.
0: passed onto the younger generations through the elders
1: and if you want to keep it going for a long period of time a, putting it in a digital format makes sense. And B, if you want some of the kids using it, then making it digital, putting it into an app, making it fun, putting some challenges around it, that's the way they're going to learn it. So if you want to keep some of these ancient languages, then I think this is the way to go. So this has all been set up by the Wangamaya Pilbara Aboriginal Language Centre. And I hope I've got those pronunciations right, James. They've created this whole smartphone app. Now, they've focused on the Nagaluma language, which is the language that comes from WA's Northwest. But there's no reason it can't be applied to every Aboriginal language, every every mm. different nation, as I say, Radjir here where we are, James, or any ancient language around the world. I think yeah. the logic is absolutely sound.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic, and and particularly, it's very interesting. You know, we've got the, the world's oldest continuous culture here in Australia that they've gone now digital. It's, <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty special. It
1: is absolutely special, and they've done it quite well. They've got pictures they've got words they've got the pronunciation so you can hear those words and make sure you're getting them right but also they've done something that will appeal to younger generations where they also say go through these different ones manage to unlock this level then you can move to the next level yeah. so again a bit of that yeah, psychology right. we talked about before putting that psychology into practice with kids and language means I think that they'll be more likely to learn those languages and have that as part of their general conversation from day to day I think it's fantastic
0: yeah and I think uh, acknowledgements to country um, you know in meetings across uh, across the countryside now are going to have that little bit extra something too yeah I think yeah.
1: so and I think just having that basic understanding you don't need to know a lot of words just to feel like you're at least a part of it. even here in our city, we've got street names like Talbaga and Windywarra, and we've now got the Aboriginal meaning of those words underneath those street signs. So I think that little link to the past and a, almost a tip of the hat to acknowledge that we weren't the first ones here, James. Mm. Someone else came along before us.
0: Yeah, and this sort of thing can really start a sort of a snowball effect where I think so. it just becomes much more uh, just intrinsic in things that we do.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So mm. good move. And, and again, that great mix of, of very ancient to very modern.
0: Yeah, bring indigenous culture to the fore. I think. I'll give it full marks. In 2021, we celebrate better health now than the generations before us, and that's no big surprise. A big part of that comes to early diagnoses of disease. We're more in tune with our bodies, and and tech companies, they're all over this. What's Apple going to get me to measure now, though?
1: I'm amazed at some of the things that we can now measure with our watches. I've probably told the story before, James. I remember going into a sports store years ago saying I wanted a watch that didn't need a a chest band because it was a bit clumsy and inconvenient putting on my chest band, and the sales guy told me that never which is a big word in technology, (laughs) never would I be able to measure my heart rate without having that chest band on as I went and used my watch. And of course now, what a joke, we've got so many different watches and devices that can measure our heart rate and they go further, they do ECGs from our wristwatch. Now it's going a step further, Apple have talked about, not in this year's model of the Apple Watch, but... Probably next year, maybe the year after, there'll be two new things available. One will be measuring blood sugar level. Blood yeah. sugar, right. Yeah, blood, blood glucose, glucose. Yeah. yeah, more accurately, sorry. And so, for anyone that's a diabetic, and I've ridden push bikes with people that are diabetics, and mm. it looks pretty unpleasant having their monitor in their back pocket, but that also involves a needle sitting under their skin, constantly monitoring their blood, which doesn't yeah. sound like a very pleasant thing to do. Or go and prick your skin and have a, a little blood sample there and, and go and measure your blood sugar levels from that.
0: Well, not only that, I mean, uh, diabetes is the non infectious. Pandemic that we're actually experiencing in the Western world right now. Um, uh, It's not a non infectious disease, but there's largely probably a lot of people walking around the streets who are undiagnosed. Um, Yeah, yeah, uh, up for a major episode shortly. So, this sort of thing early diagnosis yeah
1: absolutely and measuring that level on a constant basis now I have no idea how they're going to do this James and because it's always been relying on some sort of blood sample Mm, to do it
0: you had to bring blood to the surface that's
1: right I assume they're not bring out watches with little needles underneath (laughs) them that start pricking your skin underneath your wrist and then start measuring (laughs) that's right and so I haven't seen an operation yet I don't want to confuse Apple with Elizabeth Holmes but obviously Elizabeth Holmes with her blood sampling technology was going to promise the world and it all turned out to be a bit of a con I'm sure Apple's just a little bit clever than that if Mm. they're saying that they're going to be able to measure blood sugar levels then i'm sure they're going to be able to do that i just want to see how they're actually going Mm. to do that but once that happens anyone that's got diabetes would say this is absolutely wonderful
0: yeah Uh, well also people who are perhaps on the cusp you we reach a certain age where um yeah we we become a little bit more higher risk of getting uh type 2 diabetes yeah, yeah
1: absolutely the other thing it'll measure is body temperature well oh, you were
0: talking about this sort of stuff earlier on and with thermometers that are connected by the internet too. Yeah, that's right. right. So
1: the schools that are being rolled out now in, in New York, free thermometers, so you can try and have detection of various diseases, various you know, Yeah, well, cold, it's, it's one flu. of the first
0: symptoms is an elevated uh, body temperature.
1: And they were finding in that particular example where they were days ahead of where COVID-19 detection was up to in the state because mm-hmm. they had body temperature. Now, if you can do that... Hopefully we get past COVID-19 and we're getting clearer at some stage in the near future. But still just having body temperature monitored, it could just be as simple as my body temperature's up. I shouldn't go to school today. I shouldn't go to work today because it looks like I'm getting the flu and I'm going to infect other people. I'll stay away. It might be a new excuse to ring up your boss and say, sorry, my Apple Watch just said (laughs) my body temperature's up by 0.5 degrees. I better stay away. But this sort of early detection again. Yeah, fair enough. This sort of early detection again is one of those things I think that will help us. Take that information and then do something with it. I hope, and that's the big thing here, when you check your heart rate, your ECG, your, your blood glucose, your body temperature, then you say, I'll do something with this with real professionals rather than, I'll go and get on Google now and just check what that all means.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Our next story is going to get my blood boiling, right? Now, I've grown up with developing technology through the 80s and 90s, the noughties and the teens, and, and I get it. You, you've got to move with the time. But Matt... I'm tired and I don't want to let go of Windows 10. I'm comfortable with it. (laughs) Please don't tell me we're moving on
1: again. Just block your ears for about three minutes, please, James. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So on the 29th of July, 2015, you remember the date where Windows 10 was released. Yeah. And Uh, I'm sure you had the same feelings. not that old. (laughs) That's right. You had the same feelings then going, no, a new operating system. Why? Yes. And Microsoft moved past their old model, which used to be about every three years. There was Windows 95 or there was Windows 3.1, then 95, then 98 and Windows 2000. So they had new operating systems about every three years. They've moved past that now and with Windows 10, for example, which has been around already for six years, they've gotten to the point where they basically do a major release twice a year. So they're doing major feature updates and doing lots of patches along the way, but they have now made the announcement. They've officially said we're ending support for Windows 10. You've got a little bit of time up your sleeve yet, James.
0: Okay, that's, so they're ending support. They're ending support, right. but
1: when they say they're ending support, you know that that's yeah, the end of it's time is to night. get ready for the next that's one. That's right, but they're saying they're ending support on the 14th of October, 2025. So we've got four years left yet. Yeah. When they officially end support, what typically happens is No more new features will come out. They'll still fix bugs. They'll still fix errors in the code, but they won't typically bring out new features. But what that means is probably... Very soon now, Windows 11 will be coming out. And there's been a few little teasers. There's been some announcements by Microsoft in terms of some new event coming. It might be at 11 a.m. on a certain day. They've put out an 11-minute video to talk about it. They've got some little shadowy images that look like maybe a one and a one beside each other. So you've got a few little hints there. It seems pretty obvious to me once they've announced that end of support, Windows 11 is coming. Sit back, prepare (laughs) yourself for it, James.
0: (laughs) I still haven't properly let go of Windows 95, but, you know... (laughs) We're, we'll just move on, I guess. Here's big news. Japan is about to shake the energy tree as they dive into hydrogen. We've been talking a bit about hydrogen lately. And Japan's about to really throw themselves into it. I love bold moves like this. It is like, a bold move. Like this move. is a change that someone else has to deal with, by the way. But yeah. yeah, that's right.
1: Eventually you have to deal with it, but let someone else take the pain first. So Japan is a large economy, third largest economy in the world. And they've done that on the back of importations of oil, gas, coal. It's not that big a land mass and they don't have a lot of natural resources. I mean when you talk about, say, Australia for example, Japan is one twentieth the land mass of Australia, so much smaller, and again, we don't see those resources that we, we were very lucky in Australia with all those resources we have. So they've had to make do in other ways. They've imported it. They did go down the nuclear path, which seemed like a sensible way to go, Until except
0: Fukushima. Yeah. yeah,
1: just a little problem there, which kind of dented the confidence a little bit of just about everyone in Japan. So that's been something they have had to pull back on. So they're looking for what their energy source of the future will be. And you've hit the nail on the head. They're saying that hydrogen is the way they'll go forward. They're aiming for a net zero energy economy by Mm -hmm. the year 2050. Still a long way away. I'd like them... I'd like the world to be more aggressive about that, but they're aimed for 2050, and they're saying the only way we'll do that is with hydrogen because there are some problems with renewables in terms of their problems they've got because of that lack of land mass, lack of potential in terms of storage of that power. They don't like relying on China so much. China is now producing about 80% of the world's batteries. Mm. They see that as a risk factor. If China decides to stop supplying the world with batteries for whatever reason they might, then that creates a major problem China also supplies about 80% of the world with solar panels. So if you're relying Mm. on solar panels and batteries, that creates some major issues for you. The big issue though, and we've talked about this before which is why that story last week out of Geraldton where they're trying to produce some green hydrogen, the big issue here of course is that when you produce hydrogen at the moment, it's mainly produced by dirty power, oil, gas, coal, whatever it might be. That's the big dilemma, isn't it? It is the big dilemma. So they're looking at ways they might be able to produce that or they might be able to import and that's good news for Australia because we have the potential to produce lots of green hydrogen and then getting it to somewhere like Japan I think is a no-brainer the, the economy for us from Australia will benefit enormously out of something like this. But then it comes down to transportation and one of the issues with transportation of hydrogen it's a bit easy to transport in liquid form and obviously you don't have such large containers you either need large pressure to keep it in there in liquid form or very cold or
0: super low temperatures yeah yeah,
1: and that's a bit of a problem because it doesn't turn into a liquid from a gas until around about minus 253 degrees Celsius so about 20 degrees off absolute zero (laughs) that's right
0: not (laughs) as far to go off the the lowest temperature you can get yeah yeah, they're also
1: looking at something interesting there they're looking at ammonia rather than just straight hydrogen they're looking at ammonia and the compound ammonia gives you most of the benefits of hydrogen but from a storage perspective it only needs to be minus 33.3 degrees celsius to turn into a liquid Hmm. so that makes it a bit easier to transport and then you start to see potential for things like planes in particular and ships to a lesser extent because with something like a plane sure we've got some electric planes But we're talking about short-haul electric planes. You're talking about going for a a 400, 600-kilometre trip, maybe some of those common routes that are less than 1,000. But going from Sydney to LA, 13,000 kilometres doesn't really work with electric plane and you can't really refuel halfway. It's a bit trickier to, to get that refueling going halfway.
0: Right, and, and if we're transporting it as ammonia, the only waste product is effectively nitrogen, which is what, 78% of what we're breathing anyway in the, in the air.
1: The same benefit when you've got ammonia or hydrogen, the same benefits you get where the output from it is not the problem. It's the creation of it in the first mm, place. So mm. obviously that's where we're aiming. So when you start to talk about planes, you start to talk about planes with hydrogen or maybe ammonia, then you've got much better density much better energy density of that just like say for example jet fuel got good energy density so it is a good replacement for something in a plane ships as well when you talk about ships imagine if you have some these ships that do incredible numbers of kilometers and putting batteries in them to keep them going all that way Pretty big ask. It'd be better than a plane, but still pretty tough. Again, convert that to hydrogen or ammonia and you've got a pretty good solution. So Japan is focused on this. They've got some things in place where they're really focused on getting to that point where they'll produce it. Some people have said, well, hey, why don't we just use that dirty power to produce the hydrogen and then we've got clean power. So it's a net sum zero game. But of course, it's not. First yeah. of all, thermodynamics means you yeah. can't create energy. It only gets changed form and you're obviously losing a bit along the way. So you're never going to get the same out as you get in so you're not really achieving much in that way so it's really got to be green hydrogen is the way to go forward and and japan uh understanding of that
0: yeah well uh, i guess they're going to be some world leaders in japan um that are going to um show how it's done
1: someone needs to do it Mm. and japan have been innovative over the years in a whole range of different ways so if japan does it that's great and again i see us benefiting in this country from it
0: Now, there are already a couple of settings on phones these days if you're visually impaired to support you, but Apple has seen an opening in the market and are souping it up even more for people with vision impairment. Uh, Tell us what's going on there, Matt.
1: It's always tough, James, talking about something that you don't actually use and you don't experience. You and I aren't vision impaired, so it's hard to know the problems that you might have as a vision impaired person. Mm. And I remember many years ago, I I did something for one of the blind societies where I actually did a walk down the main street of our city with a cane and completely blindfolded and tried to rely on the cane and visual clues. And I went, wow, I always thought it'd be tough. But when you actually experience it, you realize just how tough it is. There's
0: so much processing that has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: And the little dots on the ground, I learned a whole lot about the dots on the ground, but trying to feel those dots with my walking stick and understand what that meant and then i came to a roundabout that was a really tough <laughs> one i have a huge amount of empathy and sympathy for people that are vision impaired but apple have recognized that they've made some announcements about ios 15 and there's a few features that are being introduced in ios 15 one of them is some extra functionality for people with vision impairment and they've got a feature called live text and what that will do for you is you can take a photo or show your phone at anything that's got text on it and live it will read it out to you. So take your example, James, in the classroom, you could actually have a student in the classroom that could have you write on your whiteboard at the front of the classroom or have you show some information on the whiteboard. That student could show or point their phone at that, has some headphones on so it's not distracting other students, show their phone at the whiteboard and that would actually read out the words on the screen. Well
0: we've actually had this happening where it's been really difficult. If I have thought of something that I needed to throw up on onto the board or whatever uh, for a student a student that was visually impaired and we've had them in the class, um, they needed an aid there to to talk them through it. And yeah. That was So this aid now will be
1: an iPhone. Yeah. This, this A will have their phone, show it at there. think about a restaurant. You walk into a restaurant and, and I'm in trouble if I haven't got my glasses on or the lights a bit dim in the restaurant, James, but I can solve that problem pretty easily. Yeah. Someone with vision impairment, they could now shine the phone at the menu and that would read out the menu to them live photos on their actual phone they could actually just pull up one of those photos and it would read what's on that photo for them yeah. then they can do something with it they could actually turn that into an email they can use Siri to dictate something so the world's getting better still tough but the world's getting better for people with vision impairment with the use of technology and the great part about this sort of technology is it's built in as part of the whole operating system as part of the whole phone it's not something you've got to go and get the app and download that and try and get it to work with whatever phone you've got and then it gets broken with a new operating system that comes out yeah. and so all those things Some so it's built into as part yeah. of it Yeah. the other part the other feature which I thought was quite nice is a thing called visual lookup and this isn't so much for people with vision impairment it's just for, for anyone visual lookup if if you show an image image on your phone whether that be a photo or whether that be shining that image in the real world then that will actually give you information on that so it will try and match that image right. to an image that's available out there on the web somewhere and say oh you happen to be looking at James Eddy's house oh that's a you know, here's some historical features about this particular <laughs> house so it's, yeah, it's got right. that matching ability to match that database of information and I can see it being a little bit hit and miss but matching whatever it's looking at to information that might be available on the web
0: yeah certainly another step forward I don't mind firing up the phone lines and comment banks on this one. Got another big tech company who's pushing vaccines, da na na na, incentivising the common people to do what is right, folks, and get vaccinated. Tell us, Matt, what's going to upset the anti vaxxers slash flat earthers slash aluminium foil hat wearers now?
1: Well, I'd say you and I would probably upset them to begin with, James, yeah, but, but straight this, up. this item in particular, is going to upset them because Verizon in the US, so they're the largest mobile carrier in the US, they've come up with the idea of they're concerned that not enough people are being vaccinated. They're concerned the government's not doing enough. So as any good organisation can do, they can sit back and complain about it, sit back and say the government harumph harumph, or they can do something about it. They're offering a 10% discount on any accessory that people buy when they come into one of their mobile phone shops or go online. If they prove they've been vaccinated, there you go. You can have a 10% discount. discount. So, there you go. You now, it might just be a marketing ploy. It might just be a way of saying we're offering discounts to people and come along and support our particular organisation. It might be trying to get ahead of the competition. Or it might just be a way of saying, America, we want you to get vaccinated. Yeah, vaccinated. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So I thought yeah. it was quite a clever idea. Yeah.
0: And there shouldn't be any penalty with that, folks. Um, But yeah, we, we just... Wait and see what happens uh, with the anti-vaxxers and their response to that. As
1: much as it would be nice for people to say, I'm going to get vaccinated because it's better for society maybe some other people need a bit more of a a push along and maybe a 10% discount on accessories is enough to get you excited about getting vaccinated. Who knows? I'll see if it actually increases their sales.
0: See how that goes. Well, on that note, folks, it's time to pull up stumps. Thanks for joining us once again in tuning into Tech Talk. Thanks, Matt.
1: My pleasure, James.
0: And it's been a pleasure chatting with you once again. I've been James Eddy the whole time and I hope you can tune in again next week.